It was a really cool Q&A session. There was a lot of uh, issues they spoke about. Even that particular issue there, there's so much in that that we probably could address if we wanted to. But the one thing I wanted to hone in on is in looking at the life of David. Um, you see a man who loved the Lord, but you see a man who fell. He was saying right there that if a senior pastor commits adultery, in his perspective, I don't think he could be restored. Later on, James McDonald addressed the fact. He said, you know what? He can probably be restored to fellowship, but not to leadership. And so I thought to myself, man, Lord, that's definitely something that I don't want to do, not just for me, but for my family. Lord, that's definitely something I don't want to fall into, not only for me and my family, but for the ministry. And so it's so amazing, though, Steve... Mays, after 30 years of ministry, and let me tell you something, you know, experience isn't everything, but it is something. And when someone like that, who was involved in, you know, CCOF, Calvary Chapel Outreach Fellowships, and dealing with all the pastors that have fallen throughout the years, when he says so simply that you can trace it all the way back to one thing, then let me tell you something, that's one thing that you got to pay total attention to. And what did he say? was the problem? Their devotional life. Their devotional life. You know, here we have a picture of Jesus, and he's knocking at the door. And that's what he does to the church. He knocks at the door. You know, when you read the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man opens, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You know, one of the things about this painting right here, it's a very famous painting, is that you have Jesus knocking at the door. Now I was talking to my kids about this, and I said, you know, if the Lord wanted to, he could have opened the door. He could have said, open, says me. You know, he could have done that so easy, right? And it would have just opened up, and he would have had grub with everybody. Man, if he wanted to, I was telling my kids, he could have kicked the door down. And you know, God could do that in your life. You know, here we are today and we're talking about our devotional life and maybe it's not what it should be, you know, but he won't. And that's an important thing for us to understand. He won't. He won't open the door. There's no handle on the outside. He won't open it. He won't kick it down. It's a decision that we have to make to open the door and to let him in so that we can have fellowship with God. You know, I was talking to him about this and I said, you know, sometimes God gets our attention. He may even burn your house down. He'll deal with you. But he won't open the door. Something you have to do. And I pray that by the grace of God that our life would never be the same. You know, I know there are some people here who have a kind of a good grip on what's the devotional life. I call it meeting with God. But if you don't, if there are any here, and I know there are many here, who don't have a healthy, vital, devotional life, that today I pray would change your life. It's the key to being a Christian. As a matter of fact, if you want, let's go to James chapter 4 and we'll begin there. In James chapter 4, a very familiar verse for us, in which the scriptures tell us here in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to to you. If you take that step, if you draw near to God, guess what's going to happen? He's going to draw near to you. 
You know, you might be here thinking, well, wait a minute, I thought God was omnipresent. I thought he was everywhere at all times. Yes, he is, but he's not everywhere at all times in a manifest, special way, in an intimate way. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's a special, manifest way. We all walk in God's omnipresence, but not all of us walk in his special presence. And what God wants us to do is to draw near to him. And if we take that step of faith and draw near to God, then he promises to draw near to us. And we see the same thing over in Psalm 73, verse 28. It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. It's good, man, to draw near to the Lord. And I want to share with you today what the Bible talks about. It's the devotional life, we call it. It's the meeting with God. It's that appointment with the Almighty that each and every one of us needs to cultivate within our life. It's got to be a conviction. It's got to be a core conviction in order that you and I would be consecrated for Jesus Christ. One thing I want to plant in your heart, not from me, but it's from the word, is it has to be every day. Every single day of your life, God wants to meet with you. You may say, no, every day? Yeah, every day. I was talking to my daughter today. She's on Sundays too. Dad, I already go to church on Sundays. I'm like, yeah, every day, sweetheart. Every single day. Now you're saying, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. You know, Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. You want to be blessed? You want to be a blessed man? Then you have to watch daily at his gates. There you are. You're waiting at the posts of his doors. Why? Because you need the wisdom. The wisdom of the word. You know, Jesus even taught us to pray with this truth in mind in Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, when the Lord gave us the model prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now, there's some people who think, well, that's speaking of cheese bread. You know, that's thinking of garlic bread. You know, Lord wants us to have toast and wheat and all that kind of stuff. Well, if that's true, then that's the only place in the Lord's prayer where he's talking physical. No, the Lord's not talking physical. He doesn't want you to eat every day. There's some days he wants you to fast, but he wants you to eat inner man food every single day. Remember Exodus chapter 17, the manna would come down from heaven every single day. You know, then there was that Sabbath day in which the Lord says, you know what? You may not make it every day. There's grace to cover your life, but now you're living in a new covenant. And I want you to have manna from heaven every single day of your life. Here we have that truth revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. Because if you think about it, isn't every day different? Every day has its opportunities. Every day has its opposition. Now, everybody has opportunities in their life. What's God going to do in your life today? Today may be the day that will radically change everything. And there may be an opportunity coming your way that if you're not in tune by spending time with the Lord, you will miss. Why? Because you walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. Every day has opportunities and every day has opposition. And we need to seize the opportunities. And by the grace of God, we need to slay the opposition. 
But I'm telling you this, and I know this, because, you know, a day can change everything, either good or bad. You know, one of the guys said in this study, it's an amazing thing, how after 30 years of ministry, you build a reputation, and then you lose everything in 30 minutes. One day, the evil day, when temptation and opportunity and desire all intersected, David fell. And that's why every single day, you never know what's coming your way. You've got to be ready. You've got to check in with the Lord and ask him to give you the strength and the wisdom to be able to see the opportunities and the wisdom to be able to slay the opposition. You know, we need to have this conviction in our heart. And sometimes I just don't think it's there. I think the church is like, I don't know if ignorance is the right word or just resistant is the right word. But do you know deep down in your heart that God wants to spend time with you every day of your life? You're like, well, the Lord's always there. But you know what I'm talking about, you know? Some people say, oh, I spend time with the Lord while I'm driving, you know? That's not, you know, undistracted fellowship. At least it shouldn't be, you know? When you're driving, you're doing other things. You're thinking other things. I'm talking about where it's just you alone with the Lord, the Word of God, on your face, alone. You see, that's the heart that we have to have. At the same time, I know there are some people, and you'll find them in the church, If you ever find them, don't believe them. That's how you don't got to do it every day. Come on, man. You guys must be legalistic Christians. You know what? The Bible says every day, every day. You know, unfortunately, there are some who see this and even teach it to be a burden instead of a blessing. They see it's something that we've got to do instead of something that we get to do. They see it as a drudgery instead of a delight. I mean, how can you see meeting with God like that? Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you guys agree that God is good, that God wants to bless your life, that God wants to give you direction? I would say that. And so spending time with him, sanctifying time with him, not just taking the time, but making the time will be the most important decision that you could ever make in your life as a Christian, period. Because from there, everything will flow. You see? I pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts to see Uh, This for what it is. We're meeting with God. It's going to be the biggest blessing you could ever get. It's the epitome of privilege. One person said this, if there's one thing we need in the midst of our busy, loud, and nervous lives, it's the inner peace and quiet and assurance that only God can give. It's the only way to see God's purposes for us, let alone keep our sanity. You know, when you spend that quiet time alone with God, you know, it'll bring the peace of God for the path you're on, the peace that surpasses understanding. Because one thing I know is this, and a lot of you can testify to the fact that the things that you're going through in your life are so crazy. And, you know, here we are, and we think as human beings that the way to, you know, to deal with this is to figure it out. You can't figure it out. No one can figure it out. We don't know the when or the why or the what. We don't know so many of those things. But when you spend time with God, when you bask in his presence, he'll give you a peace that surpasses understanding there and only there. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care how good your counselor is. I don't care how great the book is or what the class you take. Only there and only there will you keep your sanity as you're going through life. You see, God wants us to have the mind of Christ. 
And it's only going to be found by spending time with him. These same individuals went on to say, make an appointment with God every day and then keep it as if you were meeting with the most important person in the world. Isn't that cool? Think about that for a second, you guys. Okay, you guys here, you know, we have our iPhones, we have our calendar books, we have those different things that we look at, and we're like, okay, here's my calendar. You make an appointment with God every day of your life, and then keep it as if you were meeting with the most important person in the world, because you are. Doesn't that make sense to you? And I just pray that we would have this in our heart because it's so important. You know, we as a leadership, we love you guys. I know you love us. You pray for us. We got a work going on here in the church, you know, but we got to make sure that the, the main thing stays the main thing. I'm just a man. You're just a man. You know, even today I wore this shirt. Part of the reason I don't like wearing this shirt is because when I sit down, it gets wrinkled right here. And so believe it or not, there's been many days where I said, you know what, I better not wear that shirt because it gets wrinkled. But then the Lord said, it's okay. They need to see your wrinkles. (laughs) I know one thing. They see your wretchedness and they see your wickedness. Those of you who are close enough to me, um, you know how I'm just a man. And we're all just men here. And if you've got some idea that there's someone in this church that just doesn't sin and is not wicked and is not wretched by their own nature, we all have the satanic nature, then you're deceived. We are all just men here. But there is a God here. That's the one we worship. That's the one we live for. He's the one that it's all about. And I love spending time with different people. I love spending time with my kids and my wife and friends and things like that. But there is no rival. There is no comparison to spending time with my God. And we've got to have that in our hearts. And it's got to be something that takes place every day. You know, life as a Christian is a daily discipline. It really is. You can't take a day off. Sorry, you can't. Every day. Because if you take a day off, you're going to go way off. You know what I'm saying? It really will happen. Every day is important. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it speaks of the Bereans who searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, it says, exhort one another daily. That's what it says in the scriptures. Well, it's called today. Luke 9, verse 23, he said to them, Jesus said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Say it again. Daily. Every day, man. 1 Corinthians 15, 31, Paul said, I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, I die daily. Every day. It's a daily discipline that we need to have in our heart. It's a daily discipline that brings daily benefits. Jesus is willing to instruct us in his word every day. Luke 19.47 says, And he was teaching daily in the temple. Now imagine for a moment if I told you guys, I don't know who your favorite teacher is. You know, one of my favorite teachers is a guy by the name of Alistair Begg. You know, when you hear this guy teach, you just know the Lord is with him. And really that's all that matters. It's not the man, it's the Lord, right? And so if he was here teaching, wouldn't you guys be excited? And you'd probably say, you know what? I think I'm going to go to both services today. You know, you'd probably do that, right? And I'll bet you even this, and I'm I'm just going to say this. If he was teaching here every day, I'll bet you almost anything, most of you would be here every day. 
right? Or you just pick your favorite Bible teacher, whoever it is. You know, some of you ladies, you like Nancy Lee DeMoss, or maybe for some of us, you know, Billy Graham, when, you know what, especially when he was younger, it was real exciting just to see him preach, you know, and whoever it might be. But man, you'd be there every day. Well, Jesus is teaching every day. Not in this sanctuary, in your sanctuary. Don't you want to go to that Bible study? And it was like I was telling my son, you know, we were talking about this. And I said, you know what it's like, Aaron? It's like if you were to receive a letter every day from the Lord. And there you are and you go to your mailbox and you open it up and you bring out the letter and it's from the Lord. Every day. What would you do with that letter? Would you throw it away? Would you just put it on the counter and say, I'll get to it some other time? No way. You would open it up and you would read it. This is from God. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, man. There is a manna. There is a message from our master every day. It's important that we have that conviction in our heart to meet with the Lord every day. You know, I was talking to my kids, and I'm sorry I tell you guys all my conversations with my kids, but I was saying, you know, in a war, the very first thing they do in a war is they go and they, you know, take their planes and their bombs and they wipe out the communications, huh? Because if they can, you know, jack up the communications, then they'll win the war. And that's exactly what the enemy does to us. He says, I want to go to church, that's fine. You know, you go ahead and do that. And you want to serve in the ministry, that's fine. You know, you go ahead and do that. And you want to call yourself a Christian and put a bumper sticker in your car, great, wonderful, do that. And you can go and you can tell everybody you're a Christian, fine, let's do that. Just don't communicate with God, that's all. And that's what happens when we don't have this conviction in our heart to meet with the Lord every day. Jesus is teaching in the temple every day. Daily we'll receive the benefits. It says in Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. You know, when I spend time with the Lord, I got to tell you, man, He blesses me. Doesn't He bless you when you spend time with Him? I don't think it could go any other way. He tells you things you need to get rid of. He tells you things you need to know to encourage you. Every single day, he blesses our life. I encourage you guys to have that understanding, how he loads us with benefits. This will then bless us every day, transforming us into people of wisdom. Again, we read earlier, Proverbs 8.34, Blessed is that man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. Point number one, I pray you would know. Christian, listen. Listen, I pray you would know that there is a daily discipline that needs to take place in your life. Don't take a day off. You know, every once in a while we fail, and I do fail, and oh man, something happens or whatever, wake up early, do something else. You know, but, you know, get back on track. Every day. Second point is this, that within the daily discipline, there are what's called divine decay details in which God will give you the specifics. Now, earlier I spoke of having an appointment with God each day. And for the most part, this appointment will be at the beginning of each day. Sometimes for some, it works better in the evening. How many of you here are night owls? Just out of curiosity. And so maybe for you, it works better in the evening. But for most of us here, it's going to be the first fruits of the day. And when you wake up and you give to God off the top, 
Why? Because like I said earlier, you need to have that word of God to equip you for the opportunities and opposition that you will face for the day. So for most of us here, it's going to be the morning times. There are those who will do morning and evening, you crazy Christians, you. And then there are those who like Daniel. And I'm not just talking about it kind of like unfolds like this. Who like Daniel had an appointment with God in the morning and in the noontime and in the evening time. And they got with God and he gave them the convictions. And he says, this is what I want to meet with you. Why? Because there's a calling on your life. There's something I want you to do that's different. There's something I want you to do that will change the whole world. You. Daniel was like that. I mean, you guys, you read the story of Daniel. You know as a kid how he loved the Lord. And everyone else was eating all the delicacies of the world. But he says the purpose in his heart not to defile himself with the delicacies of the king's table. And it says when he was early, he was just a kid. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. He started doing that. Spending time with the Lord in the morning. Spending time with the Lord in the noontime. And spending time in the Lord at night. Even though they tried to wipe that out of his life. You know, they came up with this edict. And the world had this way of trying to discourage him and defeat him. Distract him. They made a law. They said anyone who worships to anyone other than this image can be put to death. I want to stop you from spending time with the Lord. And the devil will do anything he can to keep you from doing that. But Daniel said this. He said, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I die. Nothing will stop me from spending time with my God when he tells me to. And so on that day, even though the edict was there and given, He opened up the windows that faced Jerusalem, which was symbolic of just looking up to the Lord. And he knelt down and he prayed. You know, how many of us here, if you think about it, man, we don't spend time with the Lord like that. And there's a lot lesser things that keep us from that. And we can't even get blanket victory. You know, they keep hitting the snooze button. You snooze, you lose. I mean it. We got to spend time with the Lord. Daniel had that conviction in his heart. You know, you read these different things within the pages of Scripture. It's a discipline that God will give you, and He'll tell you the time frame, He'll tell you when, how long, all the things like that. You can't come to me and ask me, because I'll tell you, you got to wake up at two in the morning. That's what I'll say, because you're messed up, man. No, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> God will tell you. I really believe that. You read the Scriptures. When will it be? Looking at the divine details, when will it be? Well, number one, seeking the Lord early or eagerly. Psalm 63, 1, it says, A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness. O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Early. Now, when you read early in the Bible, that means there's an eagerness. That means that somebody's excited. (laughs) That's what early means. Rising early. Desperate. Have you ever been so excited about something that you couldn't sleep? Have you ever done that? Oh, we're going fishing today. You're so excited you can't sleep. Oh, we're going snowboarding today. So excited you can't sleep. Oh, we're going on vacation today. And the kids are so excited. Whatever it is, Magic Mountain, whatever gets you going, whatever your master passion is in life, everybody here has a master passion. Something in your life that moves you. Something in your life that excites you. Something in your life that drives you. 
Everybody here has. But our master passion should be God. And when you're so excited about spending time with the God, God, because you tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good, then you're going to seek him early. Why? Because you know this, and I'm not just saying words, that we live in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Nothing else satisfies me. Nothing else. I don't care how chocolate the chocolate is. It doesn't satisfy me. It doesn't. I don't care how you know pretty the person is. They don't satisfy me. I don't care how handsome he is. He won't satisfy you. I don't care what you do, what pleasure, what entertainment, what music, whatever. It will not satisfy you. There will still be something missing. It's this. It's the Lord. Psalm 119, 147, I rise before the dawning of the morning and I cry for help. I hope in your word. Here's an individual that's really excited about the Lord. And you want to know something? God's going to use their life. Not just early, but we see in the morning, in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3, my voice you shall hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. If you want to turn over to Psalm 88, verse 13, we can look at a few psalms. And you know, so many of the psalms talk about spending time with the Lord. A lot of these psalms were written by David. Psalm 88, verse 13, it says, But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Notice Psalm 119, verse 147 says, Early, I'm going to get into your word. Notice here in Psalm 88, verse 13, Early, I will pray. If you go over to Psalm 143, notice what it says. In verse 8, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. It's kind of interesting, huh? Wow, I lift up my soul to you. I lift up my soul to you. It's almost like you can take the person that you are You can kind of reach deep down inside and you can lift up your soul to the Lord. And as you lift up your soul to the Lord, you know what he ends up saying? He says, and then I I hear your loving kindness. You know, a lot of us here, the reason why we're dysfunctional and everybody's dysfunctional apart from the Lord is because you just don't realize how much he loves you. And you need to know that again. You know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through in life, no matter what you're facing in life, you got to know again and again and again how much he loves you. And as you're there and his love comes in and his love goes out and then, you know, next thing you know, your husband uh, experiences this thing called love. Because the love of God has been poured into your heart. The next thing you know, your wife experiences this thing called agape love. Because the love of God has been poured into your heart as a wife. And then your kids, they they begin to walk in real love. And your friends and your family. Because the love of God, which is so powerful. It begins to flow through you because you receive from the Lord in the morning that loving kindness. 
I think that's one of the biggest sins in the church today is lovelessness. Second only to worldliness. Because we don't lift up our souls to the Lord. We don't hear his love. We don't know his ways. It happens in the morning. You know, before you take your vitamins, before you have the coffee, before you get the Pop-Tarts, well, maybe while you're having coffee, it's okay. (laughs) Before you go out on your day and you fight that traffic, the Lord speaks to you and he gets you ready. Here, you need this. Here, you need to know this. Today, when I was reading in my devotional reading, I read about the time that they spit on Jesus. They spit on Jesus. They then beat Jesus. They then um, mocked Jesus. And I was thinking, Lord, they spit on you. What would you do if someone spit on you? What would you do if someone spit on you? You spit back, huh? You'd be just trying to get a big one down there in your throat and, or whatever, man. <laughs> and the Lord really ministered to me in that. Personally, this is just me. This may be something that you don't even understand. That's the way it works when you're spending time with the Lord. But for me, I understand it because people spit on me, you know. And I'm not saying that, you know, like in a feel sorry for myself way. But sometimes people, they just say things. They disrespect me. I don't feel like, you know, that... You know, certain things are going on. And and the Lord says, so? What's the big deal? Let him. Love him. Let him spit on you. Because they spit on me. He'll tell you things that you need to hear to get you ready for the day. Even today, I read in my devotional reading in Mark chapter 14 about how Peter... You know, he didn't pray. And I said, oh, Lord, it's so cool. It's confirmation with the study that we're going through today. They chose to sleep. And so they slipped. Right? They followed at a distant. A distant disciple becomes a denier disciple, right? A disciple that will deny the Lord. We need to spend time with the Lord early in the morning. Jesus did in Mark one thirty five In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. If you go over to Psalm chapter 1, this is one of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible. I mean, they're all good. I really encourage you guys to read the psalms every day. Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his might law he meditates day and night. And so the Lord wants us to spend time with him, to be excited about it, to do it early in the morning, and if you really, really want Everything you do to prosper, if you want to bring glory to God, it's not a secret. God says the way that you do it is you spend time with me, you delight in my word day and night. Blessed is that man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. He's not getting all his information from the world. But his delight is the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. It says right here that he's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. 
It's not a secret. It's very objective. It's not subjective. It's not like I wonder how I can win the war. It's very simple. Loving the Lord, not getting the counsel of the world and reading the Bible in the morning and reading the Bible in the nighttime. Then you're going to be like a tree planted by the river of water. You're always going to be watered. You bring forth your fruit in its season. God has fruit for you to bear. Your leaves, your leaves will never go green. They'll never wither, never. And whatever you do will prosper. You will be so rich, spiritually speaking. But notice the contrast right here. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Like I said earlier, I do believe that there are some here who have an understanding of what I'm talking about. Man, you love the Lord, you spend time with the Lord. But I would venture to say, and I'm I'm saying this not to put anybody down, I'm saying this to challenge you. I'm saying this to say that God would bless your life, that God would totally overflow in your life, is that there are so many here who don't have this discipline yet. They don't have this conviction yet. They're not doing it yet, and God wants you to. Because if you don't, if you carry on the way that you've been, then you know what's going to happen? One day, they're going to take the, the wheat and they're going to start threshing it. They're going to start threshing it. And they take the winnowing fork and they thresh it. And they start moving this wheat around. And then they start the winnowing fan. It starts blowing. And you want to know what happens? The chaff is blown away. And God separates the wheat from the chaff. You're like, well, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. I've been Christian for, you know, 23 years now and I don't do this. One day the fan will blow and God will separate the wheat from the chaff. I pray you'd want to be a weedy. I really pray that you guys would have some weight to your words, some substance to your souls. You know, I know a lot of times we hear studies and we're just like, okay, okay. Sometimes it's God and God wants to speak to us. Seeking the Lord in the morning, seeking him in the evening, seeking him morning, noon and evening. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen: evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. And if I could just hone in on that one phrase to cry aloud. Think about that. If I could just say that, cry aloud. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be really loud. It could mean that you have to be really loud. That's why I like to spend time with the Lord in the garage because I could yell and just, you know, worship to God really loud and nobody gets woken up, you know. But what it really means, I think, really, is that it's just really sincere. It's real. And you're just talking to God and it's real. And you can do it in the morning and in the noontime and at the evening. God will bless your life. You see, we have the divine details following the daily discipline. We know it's got to be every day. But now the question number one is when, Lord? Morning, evening, morning, noon, and evening. How long, Lord? And he'll tell you, right? Not just the when, but the what. What happens? What am I talking about here? Well, number one, alone with God. You've got to be alone with God. And when you pray, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 5, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. 
Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, he says, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus said, when you pray, you go into the room, you close the door, and you just have that secret time with God. You know, we call it usually as Christians our closet. You know, we go into we need to make sure that we go into the closet, not just come out of the closet. That's what's going on in the world today, right? Go into the closet, shut the door, and spend time with God. One person said this, Select a quiet place. There you study, and you're free from all distractions. Close the drapes, shut the door, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, clear all the busy work from your desk, take the phone off the hook, lock the cat in the bathroom, whatever it takes. You will then be better able to concentrate and have better quality time with him. In other words, you take it seriously. Like I said earlier, some people say they spend time with the Lord while they're driving. I, I'm telling you, that, that does that, that. I mean, that might be cool, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where there is nothing else but you and God. And he has your undivided attention. It's very important that we have that in our hearts. To be alone with God. The Bible says of Jesus in Luke 5.16, he often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. And we need to do that. We need to withdraw. You know, It's kind of interesting. As a side note here, these distractions from hearing the heartbeat of God for your life consist not only of the noise or the neighbors or the phone or the family. It might even be something as good as ministry. Where in all reality, you're distracted by spending time with the Lord because you've got all these other things going on. In Luke chapter 10, it's a story we're familiar with, but we've got to turn there, you guys. Luke 10, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, if not my favorite, is what we read here in verse 38. It happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tower to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. We need to be so careful for in our pursuits of life and passions of life, we need to be so careful because even in the good things of life, even in the ministry, we might miss out on the best thing in life, the one thing in life that we really need. Yeah, but God, I'm serving you. Yeah, but God, I'm doing this and feeding the poor and clothing the naked and doing all this stuff. And God says, you know what? That's cool, but you're distracted. The one thing that you need in life, the way that I can bless you and, and strengthen you, the way that I can lift you up off the ground and encourage you and take away the depression that you're going through, the way that everything comes together in life, the way that you can have peace for your path and joy for the journey, the way that you can be victorious in all the temptations and all the frustrations of life. 
is if you sit at my feet and you spend time with me. You know, it's kind of interesting. I was really blown away. You know, another one of my favorite characters in the Bible is that guy Elijah and Elisha. And they're a really cool tag team, you know, when you read the Old Testament. And uh, I remember one time uh, the prophet would come through town and there was a lady that kind of knew, hey, there's a prophet. He's kind of coming through town. And so what she did is she talked to her husband and she said, you know what we should do for this uh, prophet? We should kind of set apart a little room up here upstairs and we'll just kind of give him a table and a chair. Just a table and a chair. So that when he comes through town, I know this, she said. He just wants to spend time with God. He wants to read the word. And that's what God wants for our life. You know, don't have 135 commentaries. As a matter of fact, be even real careful with, you know, daily devotionals. You, God, and the Bible. That's all you need. That's all you need. Do you believe in God? Then why are you worried? Worry is a mild form of atheism, just to let you know, man. But you won't worry if you spend time with God. Because he may not tell you the ultimate questions. He may not tell you the ultimate answers. But he will give you answers. He will tell you things that need to change in your life. He will tell you why you're going through the trial you're going through. He'll tell you. We just don't listen. And when we listen to the Lord, it's an amazing thing that takes place. When we're alone with him, when we're spending time in the word of God, we see it in Mary, we saw it in the manna, we see it in the personal message of Jesus. Again, Psalm 119, 147, I rise before the dawning of the morning, cry for help, I hope in your word. Proverbs 8.34, blesses the man who listens to me. Acts 17.11, the Bereans were more noble than the rest. They're more four-minded. Why? Because they search the scriptures. How often? Daily. To see whether these things were so. The importance of the Bible and just the Bible. And God will speak to us. He really will. You know, God is alive. How many of you believe that? God is here. How many of you believe that? And at times, he speaks through others and they whisper in my ear. But this same God who lives and whose closeness is his art prefers to speak straight from his throne directly to my heart. He will tell you things personally that will never go away. Why? Because they came from the throne. No mediators. And I can't tell you how important it is to cultivate that meeting with God, that devotional life. Let God speak to you alone with God, the word of God, and then prayer to God. You know, we hear his voice and he hears ours. It's real, it's radical, it's a relationship. If you think about it, we were converted in order that we might have a conversation. It's a dialogue with the divine. Evening and morning and at noon, what does David say? I will pray. 
You may be here today. And I know sometimes the kids are like this. And I don't know if you guys are like this, but sometimes people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know, have enough. I don't know what to pray for. <laughs> I mean, come on, give me a break. Aren't you going through a million things? How about your friend, your neighbor? Aren't they going through a million things? Isn't there so much going on in the world today? I mean, there is not enough time to pray. And then as God just cultivates that in your life, you begin to form a list of all these things he lays on your heart. And there's even a list on your heart. It's not that we don't have enough to pray for. It's that we're not listening to the Lord to tell us what to pray for. We're not listening to the Lord to tell us to pray. There's so much to pray for. It really is. You may say, well, I'm busy. I'm busy. I got so much to do. You were busier than Jesus? Anybody here busier than Jesus? Martin Luther had so much to do. And they said, hey, man, how are you going to do it today? You got a lot on your plate. He said, oh, I do. You're right. I must spend the first three hours in prayer. Because I really need wisdom, man, making decisions and attending these meetings and doing this Bible study. And we need the same. The importance of prayer within our life. God does the work. Changes us. How many of you have the blessing to read Basic Christianity by John Stott? I want to see how many of you here are sanctified, just out of curiosity. All right. Those of you who did, man, I am so proud of you, man. This book is awesome. It really is. You're like, oh, it wasn't that good. No, it was good, man. Listen to what he says about what I'm talking about today, because he makes some incredible points. He says, our relationship to our Heavenly Father, though secure, is not static. He wants his children to grow up to know him more and more intimately. Generations of Christians have discovered that the principal way to do so is to wait upon him every day in a time of Bible reading and prayer. This is an indispensable necessity for the Christian who wants to make progress. Question, do you want to make progress? You want to go forward? You want to be more like Jesus, man? He will do that. But you've got to open the door. You've got to spend time with him. And so what does he say right here? He says, we're all busy nowadays, but we must somehow rearrange our priorities in order to make time for it. It will mean rigorous self-discipline. But granted this, together with a legible Bible, an alarm clock that works, and I would add an alarm clock that you hate, Okay, don't get an alarm clock that plays the music that's nice and soft or anything. That's not going to get you out of bed. Get a big bell one on the other side of the room. (laughs) Otherwise, you know what? You're just playing games with God. Okay, get the big obnoxious alarm clock on the other side of the room. Okay, to wake you up. If we have that, we are well on the road to victory. It is important to preserve the balance between Bible reading and prayer because through scripture, God speaks to us while through prayer, we speak to him. It is also wise to systematize our reading of the Bible. Various methods are available. Pray before you read. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and illuminate your mind. Then read slowly, meditatively, thoughtfully, read and reread the passage. It's in case you're wondering, we have in our bulletin a reading you can read through the whole Bible in a year. And you may say, well, I didn't, you know, start in the first. Or you may, I fell behind. That's okay. Pick it up now and just start today. And guess what? A year from now, you'll have read the whole Bible. Okay. But anyways, listen to what he says. This is very important. Look for promises to claim, commands to obey, examples to follow, and sins to avoid. 
And so you're reading through the Bible and God gives a promise and he says, you know what, you're maybe in Hebrews chapter 13 and the Lord says, listen, you know what, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with such things as you have. I will never leave you. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, but Lord, this person left me and this is what I'm going through and it's a struggle and, you know, I lost this or what about that? And God gives you a promise. He says, I, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I'm enough. You read through the promises. Or how about a command? God says he commands you today. We're reading commands, right? Obey it. Examples to follow. You read about individuals like Daniel today. Oh, I want to be like Daniel sins to avoid. Listen to what he says next. It's kind of interesting. Prayer follows naturally. Begin by speaking back to God on the same subject on which he has spoken to you. Don't change the conversation. I love that. Don't you just love that? God says to you as you're, you know, you're reading the word. He says, oh, Manny, sin. Dude, 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 dude. There's sin right there. He puts his finger on it, right? And so then I begin to pray. Oh, Lord, such a beautiful day today, Lord. You know, I just think, you know, what, what do you think, Lord? How about, uh, you know, the birds are singing and the sun is shining and the world is spinning and my heart is beating, Lord, and uh, the grace is falling, Lord. And the Lord says, don't change the subject. I'm talking about your sin. And when he speaks to you, you speak back. See, that's what happens when you have a relationship with God. Above all, when you're reading the Bible, look for Jesus. And you'll find him wherever you read. And you have the daily discipline. God says, every day I would like to meet with you. And then the divine details, morning, noontime, evening, along with God, the word of God, prayer to God, I'll change your life. It's a decision that we all have to make. It doesn't make God love me more because he loves me because of who he is. And it doesn't save me. I'm saved because of what he's done. But it will bless God. It will bless others. And it will bless you. And so I pray that we would have that in our life. A daily devotional life, a meeting with God will keep me on track. It will keep me in tune. It can be used by God to bring beautiful blessings to a heart and life willing to obey. As he shows the way, then I go the way. After all, if you think about it, one day we will meet with God. And I hope on that day that we meet with God, it won't be an awkward moment due to massive unfamiliarity. <laughs> I pray that on that day we meet with God, we're like, yeah, you know what? You're, I know you. I have had a wonderful relationship with you all my life. God, I love you. But it begins now as we make that choice. Like, like Mary did. She chose him to spend time with the Lord. Is that clear? Okay. Anybody here not understand that? I mean, it's just to me, it's just so clear. You know, Jesus, it says right here, we have is knocking at the door. 
Behold, I stand at the door and then they knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, God says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's speaking to the church. He really is. And so I pray, you guys, that we would open the door, the double doors, real wide, and spend time with God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for allowing us to study it together, Lord. And uh, we pray now, Lord, that as we partake of communion together, Lord, that um, it would be communion with you. Uh, Lord, I don't want it to be, at least I hope it's not just another communion. Lord, I pray uh, that you would just bless this time, Lord God. We ask, we cry out, Father God. Because I know there are so many here that are struggling and going through things, Father God, and sometimes it's because of our own choices and decisions we've made that have brought us to this place. But today we want to just take everything, Lord, and lay it down at the foot of the cross. And we just want to pray today, Lord God, that you would bless this time of communion, that you encourage us in the battle, that you would encourage us, Lord God, today in our personal one-on-one relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me, cleanse me, and help me, Lord God, just to kind of be able to see, Lord, the cross like never before. Because you said right there, you said on the propitiation seat where the blood is dropped, you said right there, I will meet with you. Help us to meet with you today. And I pray, Lord, if there are any here who don't know you, who aren't Christians, Father, I pray just in case there are some, they just know they're out there, Lord. They've come and today you want to give them a new start in life and give them life. I pray they're right where they're at, Lord. They would just pray this prayer in their heart, Father, and only you can save a soul. We have a peace in that. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, And you want to be. Right in your heart, you just pray this prayer. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness. I know I have sinned. I know I'm a sinner. But I need a Savior. And so Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Master. I turn from my sins and I trust in you from this day forward. In Jesus' name.